Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you. Good Easter morning. He has risen. And I can't think of a better time to start Section 4 of Feelings and Faith with Borgman. Because Section 4, yeah, I'm excited too. Section 4 actually begins the last section, which is called Cultivating Godly Emotions. We've been through the first three sections. Biblical foundation for emotions, including those of God, His Son, and the Word of God. And then a human anthropological study of the human emotions, man in his fallen state, his pre-fall state, his saved state. Then we went through section three, which was mortifying ungodly emotions, which we wrapped up a couple weeks ago. And thanks to Brad for coming in and giving us a timely uh, lesson on uh, financial financials. And so... We are going to start into section four, which is an introduction to cultivating godly emotions. So let's open in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being with us today. And you're with us today because your promises are true. You saved us. You put the Spirit in us. You sanctify us. You brought us to a church. You plugged us into your body. And now you are growing us and maturing us in the word. And today we celebrate your work on the cross. And not only what you paid and the price you paid for our salvation, but also the realization of the promise that you are God and you are risen. Watch over us today, dear Lord. We hope that you can take joy and delight in your body today, in your church. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two chapters today, chapter 13 and 14. 13 is very short. It's just called An Introduction to Cultivating Godly Emotions. Let's start here. Sam Williams says, Our emotional states are windows into our souls, revealing the allegiance of our hearts. Let us endeavor to think God's thoughts after him, conform our actions to his word, and experience emotions that reflect and honor him. Now, Borgman starts chapter 13 with a discussion of gardening. And he starts out by saying, there is a rose garden in our front yard, and it takes work. Now, here's where I take over. we got a garden in our backyard, and it takes a lot of work. We have to stay on top of the weeds, but there is more to maintaining a garden than just pulling the weeds. There is another process called cultivation. 
Cultivation requires irrigation, pruning, and fertilizing. It's not simply a matter of pulling the weeds. As a matter of fact, we need to cultivate the garden. And the Christian life is the same way. And I'll get back to our garden here in a little bit here. You know, Scripture compares our lives to a garden. If you want to take a look at Proverbs 24, I'd almost forgotten that these things were written on paper at one time. Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and I received instruction. Hmm, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. In Proverbs, a slacker owns a garden. Matter of fact, it says here that I went by the field of a slacker. He was a man that lacked sense. The sluggard's lack of cultivation makes him clueless to the fact that his wall had crumbled and it was designed for protection of the garden. There is no mortification and there is no cultivation in this garden. Frequently, we think of sanctification only in terms of mortifying our sins. Putting sins to death is like pulling the weeds. Yeah, it's good, but we must pull up the sinful emotions by the root. They need to be put off and put to death, which is what we have been focusing on in these last few chapters. So putting off, now we need to put on. And now we need an example for how to put on. But if we stop with just pulling the weeds of sin, we miss a huge part of the Christian life. Cultivation applies to our emotional life. We are not only to put off certain sins, but we are to put on Christ-like virtues and graces. And you can read that in Ephesians 4 and in 2 Peter. There are godly emotions that must be brought to life. We need to bring certain graces to life by watering, pruning, and even fertilizing. They, meaning godly emotions, need to be fanned into flames, put on, pursued, and cultivated. So let's just review real quick chapter 2, an overview, and that is we cannot forget our foundation. Jesus Christ is God incarnate. We learn that and we remember that today especially, and we look to him as the perfect representation of our Heavenly Father. In chapter 2, we learn that God has emotions and they're always in uniformity with his will. Christ displays perfect emotions because he is always submitting to the will of the Father and his display of emotions is perfect. And he is the image of God. The Son of God, Jesus, demonstrates every emotion, feeling, affection. We should have. So there is our model. 
We see in our Father and our Savior the goodness of emotions and the godly pattern of emotions. So over the next two chapters, we're going to examine our Lord Jesus as the pattern for our emotional life. Then we will explore certain spiritual disciplines and their relationship to the development of godly emotions. By God's grace, we begin to cultivate godly emotions that bring us to greater conformity with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now back to our garden. A few weeks ago, Kay asked me to purchase something on Amazon for her. I, I hold the account and the app open on my phone, and she says, I need this rooting hormone. A rooting hormone. And I said, what's that? So she explains it to me. Dahlia is a flower, a very popular flower. Everybody loves dahlias. We have dahlias. And dahlias, when grown, develop a root system that's called a tuber. Let's see if I get this right. And a tuber is like a potato's a tuber, right? The potato is actually the food, but the dahlia, the flower, and underground, it grows this mass called a tuber. And you dig them up at the end of the season, and you put them away uh, in uh, proper temperature and humidity through the spring, and then you can plant the tuber again. You don't have to plant seeds, really. But like a potato, these tubers start sending out sprouts once in a while. And you can actually cut those sprouts off, and you can grow them like flowers. But first, you must dip them in rooting solution. So the rooting hormone is a concentrated solution that when we add water and Kay snips off sprouts coming from existing dahlia tubers, she dips them in the rooting hormone and then it makes it available to plant and it makes it easier for it to spring by itself, right? issue its own roots. That's part of the cultivation. It's not just pulling up the weeds. So, same thing, our garden. We plan the garden. We protect the garden. We tried to put up hoop buildings, keeping out critters. Just like this slacker, his wall fell down. So it's not simply a matter of pulling the weeds. You got protection of the garden, planting of the garden, the tilling of the garden, the planting of the garden, right? The cultivating, the fertilizing, the watering. And dipping your cuttings in rooting solution. This is our rooting solution. You dip yourself into this and you will grow very well. The word of God is Rooting hormone, did that work out okay? I don't know. Sounds pretty good. Now, chapter 14 begins one of a two-part series called Jesus, Our Pattern, Part 1. We've got a living pattern, and it's a great day to be talking about this living pattern that will help us establish a model for growing godly emotions. B.B. Warfield said, If our Lord was the man of sorrows... He was more profoundly still the man of joy. In evangelical circles, we spend a lot of time studying and defending the deity of Christ. This is right and proper, but since there are cults and theological liberals who attempt to deny our Lord's deity, 
But sometimes in our effort to defend Christ's deity, we have often overlooked the vital doctrine of his humanity. Our Lord took to himself a real human body and real human soul. He became a complete human being. Jesus was not a deified human or a humanified God. He is fully God and fully man. We cannot deny the real and full humanity of Jesus and still call ourselves Christians. The one aspect of our Lord's humanity that separates him from the rest of us is his sinless perfection. Our Lord lived free from sin. Let's go to Hebrews 2, 5 through 8. And Jesus is man as man ought to be. In which way? And you'll notice, it, I don't know about your Bible, but in my Bible, the chapter or the section heading here is called The Founder of Salvation. It's talking about Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2, 5. Now it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, quote, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Today we celebrate that he's no longer just slightly lower than the angels. Jesus, as perfect humanity, experienced and displayed the full range of human emotions without sin. Classic liberalism has turned Jesus into a mere moral model. WWJD, what would Jesus do? Could be a motto for theological liberals as well. Jesus, as a mere moral model, fails to appreciate him as the ultimate example for us. Try to follow, trying to follow Jesus as our moral example without his saving power does not honor his chief mission, which, which is to seek and to save the lost. The goal of sanctification is to put on display God's glory while being conformed to the image of his Son. That is the goal of sanctification, to give God maximum glory. Conformity to the image of Christ is God's goal in our predestination. Romans 8.29, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Conformity to the image of Christ is the goal of our sanctification. Colossians 3, Put on the new man, who is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of his Creator. So conformity to the image of Christ is the ultimate call of the Christian life. To be consciously conformed to his image, we must, he must be our pattern and example for all of life. The New Testament is not ambiguous in presenting our Lord Jesus as our emotional example, and our example of all human endeavor. Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 13, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. 1 Peter, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example 
so that you might follow in his steps. Even Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And John says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 John 2, 6. The emotional life of our Lord forms the standard for our own emotional life. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 2 Corinthians three eighteen. As we gaze on his beauty, we will be increasingly transformed into his image. What a day. Two things that speaks of Jesus' emotional rightness as a human. First of all, we'll call it the devotion of Jesus. The devotion of Jesus. Our Lord Jesus models for us what it means to be devoted to God. Devotion is a word that oozes with emotion. A true devotion encompasses many affections. There's no such thing as unfeeling devotion. Devotion communicates a deep love and an earnest commitment. Half-hearted devotion is a questionable devotion, at best, and probably not devotion at all. It is passionate, it moves, it motivates, it inspires, and it endures. Devotion is a word that describes our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord was devoted to his Father's commission and commands. And Christ's devotion to obedience was unwavering, passionate, and wholehearted. John 4.34 My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Remember that when we're out today eating wonderful meals with our family and friends. The Lord was asked this, so don't you have, any, have you had anything to eat? He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. What else did he say? He said, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus says, I do everything that pleases my father. Jesus was also devoted to submission to the will of the father. I can do nothing on my own, he said. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Boy, we could use that these days. And his, devoted, his devotion to the submission to the Father's will reached its apex in the Garden of Gethsemane. Our Lord was also devoted to godly zeal. He was so devoted to the Father's glory and so zealous for his Father's name that he drove the money changers out of the temple. Zeal for your house will consume me in John 2.17, which was quoting an Old Testament scripture as well. Now, many times we struggle with being devoted to the wrong things. Ask people around you. Ask those that know you. Do you know what I'm devoted to? Can you tell what I'm passionate about? If the answers have to do with rock bands or cars and Miami Dolphins, just kidding, it says football teams here. (laughs) But Jesus doesn't make the list, then something is very wrong. If we are going to cultivate godly emotions of devotion to Christ in obedience, in submission, and zeal, 
then we might need to start with confession and repentance. So that was the devotion of Jesus. What about the delight of Jesus? Delight's also a word that's associated with emotion. There's no such thing as unemotional delight. The theme of pleasure and its expression through the emotion of delight pervades the Bible. The concepts of delight and pleasure are concepts that fully engage the emotions. What is amazing is that these concepts are everywhere in the Bible, no less in the life of Jesus. Jesus delighted to do the will of his Father. I delight to do your will, O my God. Psalm 40, verse 8. Our Lord delighted in communion with the Father. We find him often slipping away to have time alone with his Father. Would that be happening more often in this culture? So much of what I see is wrong, and you'll hear commentators talk about not just the lack of the presence of a good godly father in the home, but any father, any male model for son or daughter. Once again, our Lord delighted in communion with the Father, and he'd slip away to have time alone with his Father. There is every reason to believe these times were marked by pleasure on Jesus' part. Psalm 16, verses 10 through 11, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus was a man of true joy. In Luke 10:21, we read, In that same hour he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Also in Hebrews 1.9, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with all the gladness beyond all your companions. The Lord Jesus Christ is the pattern for true devotion and the deepest delights. Jesus took pleasure in the things that mattered most. His great delight was in communing with God. He rejoiced in doing the work of God. He was glad in the company of his brothers. His happiness came in the fulfillment of God's purpose in his life. Now, one of the reasons we find it so difficult to mature in Christ is that we still find too much pleasure in the wrong things. Our delights clash with God's delights. We are to take pleasure in the good gifts God gives us in this life. But are we delighting in the gifts without delighting in the giver? What Borgman doesn't write, and I turn this sentence on its head, did the giver even give us the gifts we delight in? Do I delight in God and the things that ultimately matter more than the passing gifts of this life? Delight and devotion. 
first part of our model that Christ exhibited. Looking to the Lord Jesus and seeing what brought joy to his soul are a corrective to us and a rebuke to the fact that we really are far too easily pleased. Now, our sanctification grows when what most delights us is the same as what most delighted Jesus. And I saw this sentence in the book, and it reminded me of something, so I added a little bit here to the conclusion. And I'll read that again. Our sanctification grows when what most delights us is the same as what most delighted Jesus. Turning that into something that we've seen before, John Piper termed this Christian hedonism and caused quite a stir in evangelical circles due to the pairing of those two words, Christian hedonism. And so many people have taken the time to try to explain Piper to people about this. I'm not a Piper devotee. But this fits perfectly into what he was talking about because Borkman, well, he started it. Well, what Piper was merely coining was a catechetical affirmation. What do I mean by that? Catechism. I had a catechism as a Catholic. You had catechism growing up, possibly. There's always that one question. What is the chief end of mankind? And all Piper said was that the chief end of mankind is to glorify God. And then he tacks on by enjoying him forever. What? The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever? And then Piper made up his own motto. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Back in chapter 3. The anthropological understanding of the emotions in mankind. We are made in the image of God, and we said that the image of God is not just what the image is, but what it does. A perfect image of God mirrors God's glory perfectly, reflects God's glory perfectly. When our delights in this world are completely synchronous with God's delights, we become pure mirrors and reflect his glory more purely. So all Piper is saying is that when our delights are truly answered in what delights God, then we most purely and most fully, 100% reflect his glory. When we are most delighted in him, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So, pursuing our greatest joy in this context should give God the most glory. And I've talked to people as I have gotten more mature as a Christian, especially young men, talking about, especially about this Christian hedonism. Bottom line is, God wants the best for you. For those of you that want the best for yourselves, that really take a shine to the best cars and the best cigars and the best steaks and the best landscaping and the best tools and everything. It's the best when you know God has given it to you in the right context. And this happens a lot with 
sexual intimacy, you want the best for yourself. Matter of fact, I tell folks, you deserve the best. And the best is doing it God's way because that's the best A, B, or C you could ever have. This is why we, we don't tell people to wait for this or wait for that, especially when it comes to marriage or sexual relations because we're trying to tell you that uh, we're trying to be uh, the no fun crowd. No, because we know what a difference is between that which is perfectly given of God and the joy it brings. Other, and then knowing that that was a mistake. Boy, yeah, it was, yeah, at the time, it's a mistake. Whether it's the new golf club you shouldn't have bought or whatever, right? Christian hedonism. I'm most delighted in God because I'm most satisfied. And he glorifies in us best when we are the most satisfied in him giving us what we deserve. I just thought I'd bring that up because when I read the end of that chapter, I saw what Borgman was getting at, and I was calling to mind what Piper had said and caused a stir so many years ago. Well, hopefully that made it a little clearer. Let me close with prayer. And Lord, we, this is a day that we find ourselves really delighting. Clearing our minds, we play the music in the morning, we exchange Greetings on texts and cards. We see the glee of children and grandchildren. We really are delighted in our position in Christ today, Lord. And we pray that you're most glorified on days like today. Help us to remember that every day of the week. Help us to take only what you've given us perfectly so that we may also delight in the giver. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you.